Hi, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. This is Talis Intrigue. And Jason, coming up, we will uh, break down what, if anything, the Bears have left to play for. Uh, we'll talk briefly about the Cardinals, their opponent, on Sunday. And we'll ask the questions everybody in Chicago is asking about the futures of Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, and Luke Getze. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, the Bears have three games left to play. The best they can do is finish eight and nine. I think even if they do that, they have like a 12% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, we're not quite in the finishing out the stretch portion of the season, but you can sure as heck see it from here. Uh, you know, the next game up against the Cardinals, I think is an opportunity for Justin Fields to put up some big numbers, but it's probably also an opportunity for him to give what fans haven't given up on him some false hope. That's what I think is really what's at stake in the last three games is false hope. You can talk about whatever you want as far as mathematically eliminated or not. We're certainly at the point in the season where everyone should have seen enough to know what they think. And when you talk about Arizona, are they have they won three games? Two. Two. They are they are the second worst defense in the NFL. They are a bottom 10 offense. Their offense has not even been great mm-hmm. when Kyler Murray's been playing. So they are a dome team coming to play in the cold. Yep. On a holiday. Yep. Yep. So I'd ask you, like, do you think Justin Fields is going to look good on Sunday? Do you think he'll have a good game? Yeah, probably. Yep. Do you think the Bears will run the ball well? Absolutely. Do you think their defense will look really good? Probably so. Does any of that matter? Probably not. I think it matters in the sense that if they lose a game like this, then you can wonder, you know, if your main argument for Matt Eberflus to stick around is that Matt Eberflus gets the most out of his players. Uh, that, that he has ingrained hustle and want to and care into the culture of the building and that that pretends to good things. You can't go lose a home game uh, to the third worst team in football. Yeah. Uh, you just can't. You know, I think you saw with Brandon Staley uh, when the Chargers got blown out by the Raiders a week ago, they just, the Chargers just had no choice but to fire him on the spot. They gave up 63 to a team that had scored zero the week before. <laughs> um, this isn't going to be like that. I, you know, nobody's going to get fired on Christmas Day, um, believe me. But I, I think that you can punch a hole in the argument for Matt Eberflus with a loss. Justin Fields, I'm beginning to think that ship has sailed. I think Eberflus, now that I'm thinking more about it, does have something at stake over the last few games in the sense that I have assumed all along the Bears would like to keep him. Mm-hmm. I would have assumed that Ryan Poles does not want to fire Matt Eberflus. And if you are of that thinking and you are looking for reasons to justify making a move, that uh, keeping him when that's what you want to do, if he's sitting there at 8 and 9, that makes it a lot easier. If the Bears go from 3 and 14 under Matt Eberflus last year to 8 and 9 this year and the defense looks pretty good... I would still tell you that's not enough. Right. This is just a defensive coordinator right now. But if you're the Bears and you are looking for a reason to keep him in place, 8-9 and nine and the defense looking better 
gives you some justification, gives you an argument to do that. Especially if 8-9 and nine includes a win in Green Bay at the end of the season. We all know how much those Packers games mean to the McCaskies uh, on a very personal level. And, you know, just like going up there and getting boat raced by them, I think would be particularly damning. I think winning that game would be helpful. But you can't get there without winning on Sunday first. And, uh, and you know, the locker room... The locker room after the Browns game, you know, we've been in some pretty funereal locker rooms this season. Ones where you see guys just sitting there wondering what the hell's going on writ large in the season. That wasn't this, but this felt disappointing. It felt like for the first time all year, the Bears had had their hopes up and then let down. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything else, you know, the losing at the beginning of the season, I thought was just the feeling of more of the same. Uh, this to me really had a feeling of a missed opportunity. Yeah, the that locker room scene afterward was—I mean, we've seen it, like you said. But take Darnell Mooney for example. Darnell Mooney speaking up um, a, a week or so ago about how frustrating the offense is and doing it very professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, not a Chase Claypool situation there at all. Darnell Mooney after the Browns game talking about guys were not dialed in guys were guys were complacent they got too comfortable with the lead as he's he very specific complaint was offensive players and not necessarily the play calling but the offensive players mm-hmm. did not take it serious personally enough when they were going three and out because they thought their defense was just going to get them the ball back anyway mm-hmm. yeah in f- four years have you ever heard darnell mooney say anything even remotely controversial no before recently no he's been the ultimate professional, good employee, everything for them. When it hits a point where he is speaking out like this, I think I think they should listen. Right. I think that when Ryan Poles hears that, he it shouldn't be upset at Darnell Mooney. He should be wanting to know more why he thinks that. Do you think that reflects upon his quarterback? When you talk about offensive players, is the quarterback, isn't he the head of the beast there? And, and if so, is that a backhanded shot at the quarterback? I don't think so. And Justin Fields, I mean, Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus both mm-hmm. rebutted those comments, mm-hmm. and they have an interest in rebutting sure. those comments and saying that well, that's not what happened. Also, I'd argue that Darnell Mooney's got an interest in changing the subject because you and I know intellectually that catching a hail mary um, is not anything that anyone should ever expect, mm-hmm. and it's not anything that you can point to him at the end of the game and said you are the reason we lost because him. Uh, dropping a Hail Mary isn't the reason they lost. But if you're Mooney and if you're sitting there 10 minutes after it's happened, after you've had a tip ball fall literally in your lap between your two hands that would have won the game and kept your hopes alive for a playoff berth, kept your hopes alive for a winning season, maybe kept Mooney's hopes alive for a contract or a better contract. Maybe he's subconsciously or otherwise incentivized to change the subject. Yeah. Do you think that they, do you think, I mean, we know what we think, and we have, I think, a sense of what the public feels. Do you think the Bears already know, they've already made their call on, let's start with Luke Getze? Do you think they already know Luke Getze, one way or another, whether he's gone or the entire staff's gone, will not be the offensive coordinator in 2024? I think it might be 90-10, something yeah. like that, where, you know, uh, this this franchise, in its history, it has, you know, they have been very clear. George McCaskey has been very clear that he grades the totality of the season. 
mm-hmm. and uh, the totality of the season hasn't ended yet. I bet they know which way it's trending. Um, I, I don't think, and you and I have talked about this before, I, I, I don't think that there's any way you can look at the Bears' offense with Getzey and Fields and say, yeah, let's run that back. Um, and, and I think something has to change. I, I think right now, you know, in my mind, I think it's 90% that Justin's not here next year because the Bears have a draft pick uh, in the top two. If for some reason the Bears don't have a draft pick in the top two when the season ends, I think I'd have to rethink that. And, you know, then the question becomes, if Matt Eberflus stays, do you trust Luke Gessie to develop the quarterback you're going to draft? If the answer to that question is yes, then I think we will know that the Bears' front office thinks that Justin Fields was the problem all along. Um, and if the answer is no, we're going to fire Luke Getze, um, then maybe uh, maybe responsibility is a little more shared than just putting it on the quarterback. I think they're both the problem. Yeah. I think that you, you absolutely can't bring them both back. I don't think you should bring either of them back. Um, and I think just looking at it from Ryan Pohl's perspective, this is the offseason mm-hmm. of his time with the Bears. Mm-hmm. This will dictate whether he lasts or doesn't last here. And I don't know how he could look at this season and bet on those three. Bet his job on Eberflus, Getze, and Fields. Mm-hmm. I think that Eberflus has the best case mm-hmm. of the three. But it'd be really difficult for me if I was Ryan Poles to bet my future, my job, on Getze and Fields when I have this perfect opportunity to change course from an offensive coordinator who has not worked out and a quarterback that I didn't draft who we're still trying to figure out what how good can he really be. Now you sit here with a, a good opportunity where they're going to be a little bit limited in what they can hire as far as an offensive coordinator, but it's going to be very attractive to candidates if you if they know, hey, you're going to be on the inside of this process with us to draft a quarterback first or second, and you will be the one shaping Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever. Caleb Williams is a wonderful draft prospect. Probably the best in best since Trevor Lawrence. Mm. I think people forget that. I think. Um, it's become popular, I think, to bang on him. To pick him apart, and mm-hmm. and I would argue here that now is not the time for that. That that you know the NFL draft machine that needs you know airtime on NFL Network and ESPN for the next four months certainly will poke holes in the favorite um, for content. But I think that if somebody would have told you last year, Jason, that the Bears uh, were passing on on. Uh, the number one pick in the draft because they wanted a bite at the Apple next year. And if the result to that was they're getting the number one pick in the draft, I think that's a huge win for them. And, you know, my Ryan Poles question, though, is a little different, is I find this absolutely compelling, and you and I have talked about this before. If he keeps Matt Eberflus and if this thing goes downhill next year, there's an argument to be made for um, firing both of them. If he doesn't, he might buy himself three more years, mm-hmm. minimum. I think it's dangerous to think like that in terms of self-preservation, but that's just kind of the way it works in the NFL, isn't it? And if you're above him, if you're Kevin Warren, and you're trying to come in with an objective mindset and give someone sound advice on how to best run the franchise, 
you're probably advising Ryan Poles to put everyone on the same timeline. Right. Because Kevin Warren will be here. Kevin Warren will be here as pretty much as long as he wants to be, as far as we know. As long as it takes to build the stadium. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Kevin Warren does not want to sit here and oversee more of this cycle of the scenario you're laying out where they, if they were to draft a quarterback and then things not go well, and then they fire Poles and Eberflus, right. and now they're hiring a new GM and a new head coach for the 2025 season, but they just drafted a quarterback number one overall, so I hope the new guys like him. I mean, that'd be the third time in a row they've right. done something like that. Kevin Warren is the one responsible for the really, really big picture, mm-hmm. like bigger than Ryan Poles' big picture. And I don't think he's going to want that to continue during his tenure. I don't. I'll tell you this, though, and a lot's been made about the idea that Kevin Warren could be more active in football decisions than Ted Phillips was. He said he would be. I still would rather the football guy make the football decisions. And, you know, and a president who does not come from an evaluation background, uh, I think, should be very careful as how hands-on he gets if he looks around the building like Ted Phillips did, uh, like George McCaskey did, maybe a year too late with Nagy and Pace and go, this just isn't working. We can see this. But we can see this because Bill Polian came in and said, <laughs> look at this. I, 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 I just, it, I don't think Ryan Poles is going anywhere. And I would be careful to let anybody but Ryan Poles make big picture football decisions. I, I was researching this for a story that's going to be in the Sun-Times on Saturday. Do you remember when they fired Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace? One of the things McCaskey said that really turned him off of Matt Nagy was that at one point Nagy walked into his office and said, who do you think I should start, Justin Fields or Andy Dalton? And, and uh, George essentially said, boy, that spooked me because that is not my decision to make. That is my coach's decision to make. And I don't know whether Nagy in the moment was looking for support from the owner to say, play the kid. He's and, looking for cover. Yeah, or play the kid and don't worry about your job yeah. or something like that. But I, I think we know that, uh, that, that that's not the approach that anybody should take. You can make the argument that that was a problem of George McCaskey's making. Yep. Though. Yep. The year before. A miscue by Matt Nagy. Right. But I, what was he supposed to do? Right. I mean, he's sitting there having to – He's if he's, if his question in that scenario really is – Hey, do I have the freedom to play the rookie mm-hmm. and not worry about my job, or right. do I need to play Andy Dalton because I think he can get me to uh, to nine wins? Yeah, like that's a good question to ask, and that's a question that you have to ask when George McCaskey's put you in that position. Well, and I think to Ryan Pace's credit, in the moment, I think drafting Justin Fields was absolutely the right thing to do, even if it was not the best thing for Ryan Pace, probably. And and I will forever give him credit for doing that where he could have taken somebody who could help him more immediately. But again, like you said, it happened with, with Fields. It happened with Trubisky. You know, you see it in the league happening now with, uh, with Bryce Young. The Panthers thought they got a head coach and a quarterback on the same timeline, and then their wacky owner uh, <laughs> changed that. Uh, it's pretty frequent, actually, when a rookie quarterback gets his coach fired in the first season. And it's not ideal. And you see plenty of examples where then the second coach comes in and didn't really want that guy. Well, I mean, look at Jacksonville, though. I mean, the second coach comes in and and, and, and wins. Sometimes that happens, yeah. yeah. It's, um, but there's a lot of these Bears-like examples where new coach gets saddled with old quarterback and it's not a fit. And now 
It's yeah. happened twice in a row here because yeah. there's just no doubt. I mean, I don't. there's nothing more definitive about the Bears' problems right now than that Getze and Fields don't work. Right. And Getze is Eberflus. And I would argue to you that um, Caleb Williams is enough of a can't-miss number one overall pick. I think if you kept Eberflus another year and then had to start over, I don't think there's a coach you'd interview who would sit there and say, I don't want Caleb Williams. Um, it would have to go pretty bad for him to be a turnoff. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot of excitement about the quarterbacks in general in this class. It's not just him. Right. It's And that makes it different than last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, there was no slam dunk. <laughs> I know Bryce Young was number one, and he was a consensus number one for a while. But there were questions about him. There were questions about Stroud, questions about Richardson, questions about Levis. There, there was not a clear... Oh man, you can't. The Bears are crazy to trade out of the number one pick, miss their chance at a Trevor Lawrence, Peyton Manning type yeah, guy. But even they if, do talk about this draft class that way. They talked I'll, about Caleb Williams that way at this time last year. Yeah, they like, said wait. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, if I was, if I was Kevin Warren, I, he's got to make the call on Ryan Poles, so he has to do some evaluating. Right. He has to sit here and say, does Ryan do I does Ryan's vision for where this is headed make sense to me? And is he living up to it? Is he putting in place the things that he's telling me he's putting in place? Do I like some of these draft? What do I think of his draft picks? What do I think of his signings? What do I think of his trades? And I do think overall, my evaluation of that would be a net. Ryan Poles is a net positive. That's the phrase that's in my mind. Ryan Poles has made mistakes. I mean, Valus Jones, Chase Claypool. I still think trading Roquan Smith was an error. That should not have happened. I think that this Jalen Johnson situation has not been played correctly, and they're going to pay for that. Literally, mm-hmm. he's going to Jalen. They're going to have to keep Jalen Johnson, and he's going to cost more than whatever he was going to cost. But I think you can look around at all of this mm-hmm. at the roster, and you can say Ryan Poles has put good pieces in place. Montez Sweat, the secondary, the offensive line is better. DJ Moore is a huge asset. There's so much in place here. And that gets to where Ryan Pulse should be sitting here thinking, I've given you guys more than this. I've given you guys a roster that's better than five and nine. Sure. I don't know if I'm good with that. So if I'm Kevin Warren, I would and, – and this is also not just based on what I'm seeing, Pat, as far as analyzing Ryan Pulse's job performance. Kevin Warren seems to be very close with Ryan Pulse, seems to have really been on board with Ryan Pulse from the jump. I, if I'm Kevin Warren, would allow Ryan Pulse to – Tell me what your plan is on Eberflus, Getze, Fields. Let's say you want to keep them all. Let me hear your argument for that. Let me hear your case. And let me see which thing, which of the three you can convince me on. Right. I think that would be an almost impossible argument to make on Luke Getze. No, but I, I agree. With, well, unless, unless you're convinced that Justin Fields is the entirety of the problem, which is a possibility. I can't imagine how they think. I, they're both the problem. I mean, right. They're both. They're both. I do you think that if uh, do, would you trust Luke Getzey with the new quarterback, or would you say we can do better? I don't know whether Luke Getzey is better at his job than Justin Fields is at his. No, that's not what I'm asking you. No, I know, but that's how I'm looking at it. I don't know. I think that. As you mentioned, hiring a new offensive coordinator to join Matt Eberflus might be a tricky thing because it could be a one-year job. I think that... So they signed up for hiring a defensive-minded yeah, head coach. I think that when Eberflus took the job and hired Luke Getze, he said that he had made a decision, I think long before he ever became the head coach of the Bears, 
that the Green Bay system was the hardest for him to defend, and he was going to pluck somebody from the Green Bay system. Now, Frank Reich's available. Longtime friend of his, has worked with quarterbacks. We could, you know, we could put two and two together there if that job ever does become open. I can't say to you with a straight face that I would trust Luke Getzey, but you could. I think you could argue. I think you could make an argument if you're moving on from Justin that Luke Getzey is worth keeping. Well, the other question, if you're gonna, if you want to do it on Fields, is do you think that Getzey is the problem, and do you think if we brought in a very Fields-friendly, Fields-minded offensive coordinator is that the only thing is that all Justin Fields needs to soar into that top tier of quarterbacks in his fourth season he might end up with two or three first round picks to play alongside him that would be helpful um he has enough right now yeah there's enough there this is not a perfect roster Justin Fields has enough around him right now for a fair evaluation and and before we get to picks I mean we'll have plenty of time to debate all of this in the next couple weeks I'll remind you of this. The season started with the Bears saying, essentially, we need Justin to play quarterback, not just running quarterback. And by week four and week five, Justin, or week four, Justin was, week three, Justin threw his hands in the air and said, the coaching is making me play robotic. Yeah, that was after two games. That is the disconnect there. And uh, it seems to have settled into a little bit more of a meshing of it. But I'll tell you this, Justin Fields last year was the second greatest running quarterback in the history of football. He doesn't look like that this year. He does some pretty cool stuff, and he looks downfield a lot more to, to throw while he's scrambling. But that weapon ain't exactly as sharp as it was at this time last year. And the passing game ain't exactly as sharp as it needs to be. So they've somehow taken a position where Justin was elite at one thing and bad at another and just made it so he's just kind of okay at both. Yeah. That's not that's not progress um, at all. Jason, And that's uh, on both. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think all these failures are so... Shared offensively between Getsy and Fields. Intermeshed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, looking at the picks real quick before we go. Uh, everybody on Team Sun Times has the Bears to win. Uh, Rick Morrissey has got them uh, 24-17. Tellender, 31-20. Scoop Jackson, 38-17. Jason Leisure, 34-22. Uh, Mark Potash, 23-16. And I've got him 28-21. I picked 28 because Justin said he tries to score 28 points. And they rarely do. Yep. Uh, I think this would that be... was a quite a number for him to throw out. Yeah. Because you, uh, you can easily go look and say, mm, that doesn't happen hardly ever. No. Uh, but I, I do think that... Uh, I think you and I are on the same page that if they go out and have a really good game, you and I are going to be Googling stats from Mitch Trubisky's game against the Buccaneers five, yeah. five six years ago yep. uh, to point and say, don't read too much into this. Yeah. And sometimes people... Don't really look at that. Sometimes in the free agent market, they're not so concerned with oh, did all these stats come against right. these bad defenses? And we you know when I, if I if I divide out his numbers, Justin Fields, for example, against these teams mm-hmm. that are better, well, the, the, this is not someone I can win with. Um, and they do that with coaching records. Sure. I mean, you knew it when it happened. Right. That when the Bears went eight and eight in 2020 and made it to the playoffs in the seventh seed, I think losing their way in. They got killed at at home by the Packers. At the end. You knew that, just give it time, down the road, this will be referred to as a playoff season. Yep. With no footnotes, no explainers. Nope. So if Justin Fields gets his passer rating to 95 or something over the next three games for the season, 
it's there's not going to be a bunch of nuance in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smart teams will in for in when the in the trade market if he's going to be traded, but he could boost his numbers to a point over these next three games where he starts to look really attractive. The the Bears will know the nuances of that. Right. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus will absolutely know they're here every day, uh, but somebody else. Maybe the Raiders sits there and goes, ah, that's pretty good. That's better than what we have. I, I think if you live elsewhere in the country, it's really easy for you to watch the highlights of Justin Fields and go, oh, my God. Yeah. Why Why wouldn't they keep him? Right. But I, I really equate him, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. Uh, it's like it's like there's a reliever on your baseball on your favorite baseball team that throws 102, you know, and, and you have a friend walk, step in and go, geez, 102. That's, un, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and go, like, yeah, but you know, last night he walked three. He walks somebody every time he comes yeah, in. Yeah, right. and you know, and and when he's got to throw it for a strike, it doesn't really happen. Like, uh, I think the jaundiced eye of the fan or the media member or whatever who watches Justin Fields every day has a far more realistic view of what Justin is than somebody who might see him occasionally on highlights. And I do believe that Justin Fields could be better somewhere else. Probably. I would. I, I think the ceiling is not. So much higher than what he's doing now. No, but it's a little higher than what he's doing now. And somebody else who wants that mm-hmm. type of quarterback, because I guarantee you, Luke Getze wouldn't what? have chosen somebody, that. And I think somebody who wants to be able, who's willing to pay forty million dollars for it after next year. I mean, that's the other thing Maybe. too. Is mm-hmm. that's part of this equation? Is that you know the Bears get salary certainty with the number one overall pick with Justin? He you know he could be just good enough that you have got to overpay him. And I think you can look at Daniel Jones with the Giants this year as someone who uh, was in that exact same scenario uh, as Justin would be if the Bears kept him next year. Got a big contract, got hurt, and, you know, they might be looking for a quarterback again. Is that GM still there? Uh, no. No. Jason, that'll do it. Uh, we will be back Sunday for the world's fastest podcast, probably. Uh, uh, until then, you can follow Jason, Mark, and myself on social media. Check us out on the Sun-Times website. And in print, if you live in town, uh, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.